This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Few medical conditions cause as much frustration for primary care providers as dizziness. The frustration comes from the fact that being dizzy means different things to different patients. Most patients find it difficult to describe the dizziness and it can be caused by problems in a number of different organ systems. Providers also find it difficult to know which specialties can be asked for help in either establishing the cause of the symptoms or in treating the disorder once the diagnosis has been made. To help us sort through this frustration is Dr. Devin McCaslin, the director of the Vestibular and Balance Laboratory at the Mayo Clinic. Welcome, Devin. Well, thank you for having me, Dr. Chutka. So I guess you're about as close to a dizzy doctors we have, is that right? That's about all I see. It's dizzy patients all day. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. <laughs> you have a multidisciplinary program and um, you use it quite effectively. Apparently, it sounds like you're quite busy. Why don't you tell us about the multidisciplinary nature of the complaint of dizziness? Yeah, well, thanks. Um, the uh, multidisciplinary team that we have here is sort of evolved over the last 10 years. The value of having a multidisciplinary team to approach dizziness uh, really stems from the fact that these patients with these long-standing symptoms in particular uh, have a number of contributing factors. Uh, these factors can be uh, the ear, otologic, or you have the inner ear balance damaged. There can be neurologic sources of the dizziness that need to be treated. Uh, one of the most common ones there is migraine, but also uh, there are other forms of neurologic disorders that contribute to dizziness. A large one that we see is psychiatric. Uh, psychiatric and psychological uh, issues can also cause dizziness as well. And often we see that it's some combination of all of these or some of these that are leading to the presenting symptoms. So where do you get most of your referrals to? Who, who sends you most of your patients? Yeah, so... Inside our system here, and I, I think it's, uh, it's a little different nationally depending on what the institution is, but our number one referral here is neurology. Our second one is family practice, and our third is otolaryngology, and then we, we have a smattering of cardio, cardiology and, and other disciplines such as those. Uh, when there are several overlapping sources of dizziness, all these symptoms sort of present together, and that's really where the value of this multidisciplinary team comes in is that they may have some form of logic and psychiatric overlapping. And so the presentation of symptoms is not clear and it, it can be confusing for the evaluating physician. An example may be a, a patient with a vestibular deficit and then they, have, they had a terrible bout of vertigo and now they have anxiety that, that's still feeding the symptoms. To lead off the multidisciplinary team, what we do is we perform a vestibular assessment. We do a functional balance assessment we take a very thorough uh, directed case history and we really drill down to try to find the most likely source of the patient's condition. Then we detail all the laboratory data as well as our impressions and make recommendations on which physicians are most appropriate. So all of the patients that you see are referred to you for dizziness. Yep. Is that keeping you busy? 
keeps us very busy. I think we're unfortunately, we're out about nine months to get into our external clinic. Uh, internally, it's a little different. So wow. we receive patients three different ways. Uh, we receive patients from the emergency department. We receive patients that are here for another condition that are then, you know, they mentioned to their physician that they're dizzy and we, we receive an internal referral. And then our patients seeking care from external, outside. So they're simply coming to Mayo simply to try to find a treatment for their dizziness symptoms. Hmm. So I suspect depending on um, where your referrals come from, they may already be somewhat pre-selected, but what are the most common findings that you see in your patients who are sent to your program? Yeah, so there's really two primary groups of patients in that, in that regard. There are patients that have a formal diagnosis. So this may be Meniere's disease, uh, maybe something like superior canal dehiscence where there's a little hole uh, in the inner ear of balance and they know what this is, documented and diagnosed, but there are often surgical treatments to take care of these and what they're looking for is perhaps a second or a third opinion to try to figure out, you know, what, what is the right option for me to treat my dizziness symptoms. The larger group are patients that have not yet received a formal diagnosis. Uh, in fact, when we look at the data, the average patient has been sick an average of five years and still does not have a formal diagnosis for what is causing their dizziness symptoms. Those are really the ones that we, we take a lot of care with to move them through the multidisciplinary clinic. And that's where the value of the multidisciplinary clinic really comes in, is because the patients that have been, have these longstanding symptoms typically have some combination of, as I said before, the larger groups, otologic, psychiatric, or neurologic sources of dizziness. And so it's, the presentation is unclear. We break that apart and then get them to their respective physicians to treat the conditions. So would you say in, in most cases, a patient who comes to your clinic is leaving with the diagnosis or is it more you determine the organ system and then send it to the subspecialist to confirm or to make the actual diagnosis. That's a, yeah, yeah. So when they, when they start for the external patients in our multidisciplinary clinic, they come to the lab. What we do is we provide them a, a, an accounting of the extent of any damage to the inner ear of balance, uh, what their functional balance capabilities are. And based on the directed case history that we do, we recommend who they should see to receive the formal diagnosis. So the physicians are delivering the, 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 the medical treatment and the diagnoses. Uh, we are simply acting as a frontline triage system in order to get them to the most appropriate provider. So I, I know I've sent a few patients over to your clinic, and um, I guess I have limited those I've sent there to those specifically with vertigo. Was that incorrect? Do you see patients not only with vertigo, but non-vertiginous uh, dizziness? Yeah, so there's a number of, of symptom profiles that we get for patients that, that are referred. Uh, those that have vertigo, frank vertigo, uh, certainly that's indicative of the inner ear balance. And so that's a perfectly appropriate referral to our lab. We can document the extent, uh, or, you know, is there permanent damage? Is there not permanent damage to the inner ear balance? The larger group that we see are patients that have continual dizziness, persistent symptoms that just do not seem to remediate. In fact, the most common for the, at least the, the chronic patients that we see had a bout of frank vertigo, nausea, vomiting, lasted for about two days, rotary vertigo. But then after that 
remediated after after those symptoms of, of vertigo stopped, they're still left with this sense of foggy headed. They don't feel well. They're just very non-specific symptoms, yet they're bothersome to the patient. They're impacting that patient's quality of life. They've had normal imaging. There's no clear idea why. And so that's where we can really come in handy is we can help uh, determine is the system compensating like it should. So the inner ear balance, unlike the inner ear of hearing, you lose one inner ear of balance with the uh, cerebellum and the brainstem, their central nervous system structures that will actually replace what is missing from the damaged inner ear of balance. And some people, that system does not function as it should. And we say they're uncompensated and what they will do is have long-term symptoms. And then what we can do is refer them for uh, you know, therapy, or then there's some treatments that we can do to, you know, to address that. Uh, many of them, when they come in, have had, a, just like you said, a frank bout of vertigo, and they are left with the foggy-headed, they don't like grocery shopping, there are visual things that bother them, they feel unsteady, they have an internal sense of rocking. Again, these very weird, non-specific symptoms that, you know, it sounded like they had an inner ear balance problem, but, you know, now they have these more non-specific ones. Uh, and we can help uh, get those patients with those to the right physician. There's a certain constellation of symptoms that can be uh, treated by psychiatrists, psychologists, neurologists. So yeah, we do a lot of the front end work just to make sure that we uh, save the patient from wandering around the healthcare system, get them to the right place as fast as we can. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of patients like you're describing. It's, it seems most of them have had some vertiginous episode, usually somewhat severe. Uh, and once that resolves, every time I see them back, they say they still don't feel normal. They, they don't truly describe the vertiginous symptoms like they had the first time, but they feel unsteady. It's almost as though they feel like it's going to come back, but it doesn't. And I've never known uh, exactly what's causing that and uh, if it's still a part of the vertiginous episode or if they're just worried that they're going to get it again. Yeah. Well, you do um, vestibular balance testing. What does that consist of and what does that actually tell you? The way we balance is we use our visual system, our inner ear balance of the vestibular system, and the somatosensory system, all the pressure sensors and the joints and muscles. And so what we do is we do an evaluation of all three of those structures, not only the peripheral components of it, but also the central components. So the primary role of the vestibular imbalance laboratory is really to describe the extent and the site of the lesion for the vestibular disorders. And it's like I said, it's also capable we can provide some ind indications about the patient's functional balance. How well are they using all three of those systems to keep themselves upright? There are five end organs in each inner ear of balance or the vestibular system. It's a set of accelerometers and gyroscopes. And it really provides, it's about the size of a dime, and it provides us all the information about where we are in space. And are we moving our head? Are we, where, how are we oriented? Are we walking on something bumpy? What we can do now is diagnostic testing just in the last 10 years, now we can assess all five of the end organs, two linear accelerometers and three angular accelerometers in air balance. And we can also provide a detailed ocular motor examination that allows us to study the central vestibular system. So all of those five end organs, five on each side, 10 together, send all of their information about acceleration and where the head is in space into the brain. And then that uh, you know, changes the muscle tone, it moves the eyes and keeps us upright and allows us to navigate around our environment. We can assess all five of those and provide a report about each of those end organs. 
Uh, the referring physician that orders the vestibular laboratory testing gets a full accounting of whether the peripheral or central vestibular system is intact. But also we provide other sources of dizziness that may be accounting for the overall presentation of the patient. It's about a two-hour examination if you get a full examination. Uh, we also do questionnaires about their dizziness-related quality of life. So how much is their quality of life impacted by their symptoms? Uh, and that can really uh, help us sort of gauge you know, how treatment is going and if they need a sp specific referral to uh, psychiatry, psychology, wherever we deem necessary based on that. So which patients would you say would have the most to gain by doing vestibular testing? The ones that have the most to gain are the ones that we, can, we don't have a formal diagnosis for. Okay, so vestibular, there are some disorders that can be treated immediately. So like benign paroxysmal positional vertigo, where a little otoconia get out and they get loose and they get into one of the semicircular canals and cause this positional dizziness when they sit up. That can be treated in office no need to send that person for a vestibular lab exam. People that benefit from the vestibular lab exam are exactly as you said, perhaps patients that had an episode of vertigo, but now have these long-standing symptoms. Or patients that just have increasingly uh, poorer symptoms. They're becoming more and more unsteady. They're becoming more and more dizzy over time. Like I say, we can assess the central vestibular system, the cerebellum, the brainstem, uh, some of these more insidious central nervous system disorders can be detected in the lab tests. So not just peripheral, but also central. But it's really people that benefit from the lab results or people where these symptoms are just unclear. It's not exactly known what the issue is. So it's more to help you sort out exactly what's causing their problem. That's exactly it. Some are very clear up front. If you've got a 35-year-old and she has normal imaging and you know, spontaneous nystagmus, uh, you know, and it looks that, you know, they probably could probably send them directly to PT. Again, mm -hmm. it, you know, if, if they aren't getting better, I think that's when really testing such as this is warranted. Okay. Now, I understand you're using somewhat unique methods now to help your patients achieve the right place to be sent, and that's using artificial intelligence. How is that working? How are you doing that? Well, we're pretty, yeah, we're pretty excited about that. And uh, we worked with the Kern Center and we actually received some funding uh, to develop a system to best determine where in the healthcare system uh, patients should be seen for their dizziness, much like what I just described. What we used to do is, is patients would say, well, I'm dizzy, I don't know why I'm dizzy. And they would, we would send, we'll send all of your records. And what we will do is we'll go through and look at them and then we'll pick what physicians are best to take care of your condition. So we would have to look through all the reports. Some of these were hundreds and hundreds of pages, as, as many do and other, other departments do in here. And, and then what we would do is we would look and we would try as best we could based on what we could figure out from their constellation of symptoms who they should see. What we did is we said there's got to be a better way and we should be able to automate that. And some of these learning algorithms, machine learning, you know, algorithms such as that, automate a lot of these decision-making processes. And so we, we thought about four years ago, we embarked on this project where could we train an algorithm to determine what physicians would be best suited to address a patient's dizziness symptoms. And remember, I said it could be all, you know, it can be otologic, neurologic, psychiatric, and usually it's combinations, but could the training algorithm, could the algorithm pick where they should go so they could simply log on, enter their symptoms in a portal, 
and get their appointments for the most, and they wouldn't waste all this time going through all these unnecessary tests and, and things such as that. We did that, and, and, and we again, we worked with the Kern Center and the, the Center for the, the Science of Healthcare Delivery. And with our multidisciplinary team, uh, we trained an algorithm, then validated an algorithm, and now actually have a functional algorithm inside Mayo Clinic where a patient calls in, says they're dizzy, they receive our questionnaire, they go through, fill out their symptoms, and it provides a whole itinerary or set of consultations that best suit that patient's dizziness. That's great. How long have you been using that? About two years now. We, we, it took us about, we've just finally validated it. The training, you know, you learn a lot about these things, but literally we, we sat for every Tuesday night, I think for two years, and physicians, our multidisciplinary team, sat down, pulled up cases, went through and said, based on the diagnoses, what were the best set of appointments? And that's how we trained this algorithm. It is our represents from neurology, otolaryngology, psychiatry, all saying these are the best, you know, these are the most appropriate consultations. And so the algorithm is designed by uh, physician logic. And so now we're using that, using that now. And, and we've just validated it. So we compared the algorithm against, again, the physician's seeing the you know what what the diagnoses were compared to physicians to the uh, to the algorithm and it did very well and so all of that time of going through charts is gone it, it's it's completely automated now well that's a great example of using a team to deal with a multidisciplinary problem that's that's incredible well let's complete this by asking you to summarize with maybe two or three key points of importance about our discussion we just had on dizziness? Sure. The big one I think I touched on a number of times is long-standing dizziness is most likely due to some combination of either otologic, neurologic, or psychiatric conditions. And inside of that, it, it may be a peripheral vestibular system, it may be anxiety or migraine. So the, the big point is that often it, it, it's a number of things, not one, and, and, and why they continue to suffer. What we've also found is that education is probably one of the most important drivers to getting patients on a track to reducing their symptoms. And uh, we just called 130 patients. I've got a study going, and they found that better understanding their symptoms and understanding the root cause of it and having a formal diagnosis really led them to begin to get better. I think that comes from the multidisciplinary team and getting formal diagnoses, rather than, you know, a lot of times people feel like they're just guessing. And I guess third, the vestibular laboratory can provide much more than just an assessment of the vestibular structures. In most labs, you're going to get a dizziness quality of life measures. You're going to understand how much is that dizziness impacting that patient. So you'll have good uh, measures to track treatment. And it, you, it can provide you a lot of insight into perhaps what other sources of dizziness should be considered in that patient's condition. So. That's great. We've been discussing the topic of dizziness with Dr. Devin McCaslin, the Director of the Vestibular and Balance Laboratory at the Mayo Clinic. Devin, thank you so much for sharing your time and expertise with us, and thank you also for helping us so much with this really challenging problem. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. You can now listen to over 100 different medical topics developed for primary care providers on Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts. Find them at ce.mayo.edu or your favorite podcasting app. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcast, please subscribe. Stay healthy and see you next week.